Hello, I am the host of Shifting Culture, Joshua Johnson. I just want to come on before the episode and tell you all thank you for listening. Did you know that big things are coming for Shifting Culture and you can be a part of it? We have just launched a Patreon. When you become a monthly patron to the show, you will get our episode ad-free, get early access to episodes, be able to download episode guides, and get bonus shows. Go to patreon.com slash shifting culture to support all that we are doing. Your support means that we can continue to help the body of Christ look more like Jesus. Again, go to patreon.com slash shifting culture. Thank you so much. Now, on to the episode. Hello, and welcome to the Shifting Culture podcast in which we have conversations about the culture we create and the impact we can make. I'm your host, Joshua Johnson. Go to shiftingculturepodcast.com to interact and donate. In this episode, we get to talk with Sarah Bruhl. Sarah is the director of Revive Europe and the evangelism training coordinator for IFES Europe. She's a Brazilian living in Rome, Italy with her husband and two boys. It was a really good conversation that starts being rooted and grounded in Rome and what does it look like to start a church there as a Brazilian working with Italians. And then we venture on into revival in Europe and the world missions movement and what is exciting and hopeful uh, happening around the world. So I know you're going to enjoy this conversation like I did. Sarah is great and wonderful. So let's get to the conversation. All right. Well, Sarah, thank you for joining us. I'm really excited to have you here. Uh, it's really going to be a pleasure to talk to you today. Excited to talk with you, Joshua. Yeah, I know that uh, you came from uh, from Brazil to Italy um, with your husband. So what was that journey like going from Brazil to Italy? And why did you choose? Why did you choose Italy? What happened? Yeah, yeah. Uh... It started, uh, I'll make it a, a longer story, but in a short way, <laughs> it right. started when I was a little girl, uh, I already felt called to cross-cultural missions, but I didn't know where, but I knew uh, already uh, that it was cross-cultural missions. And when I mm-hmm. met my husband in university, he felt called as, um, as a teenager, also as pastor, uh, but we didn't know where to go. But it was a two-year discernment process, but God used uh, a conference back in Brazil, a missions conference. Mm-hmm. And someone that was speaking that conference, uh, he uh, at the time was leading the university uh, ministry around Europe, IFES. And yes. we said we were willing to go anywhere and, you know, uh, any thoughts. And he just heard our story and said, have you ever considered Italy? And we were mm-hmm. caught a little bit by surprise, like, why is that? <laughs> and he shared more about uh just the need that they had for both student ministry and for church, uh, for church. And that was attractive to both my husband and I for uh, he had a desire to plant a church in the, in the city. Mm-hmm. And I had been wanting to work with student ministry. So it was a two year journey, but uh, what we were grateful is that God gave peace to both of us. It wasn't something just in mm-hmm. his heart or my heart. And yeah. it was truly for both of us. And we never look back, to be honest. We had, of course, hard times and, and good times, but we never look back at the place that he has called us. And we've been here 11 years, so we're grateful. 11 years. That's a long time to do uh, cross-cultural ministry in a different uh, in a different country, a different place. Um, 
Yeah, if you look back on the beginning of your journey uh, and where you're at now, what are some of the things that you've learned uh, living in a foreign place, uh, starting something new? Um, what 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 have you learned? Yeah, we've learned. I think uh, we heard it before coming, but I think as we arrived, that made a significant difference to try to um, to arrive as prepared as we could. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so so um, uh, we tried. Uh, Portuguese is not so far from 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 Italian. Yeah. So we tried our best to to just um, you know do some language uh, learning before, and I think that helped. When we arrived here, we could connect. Uh, it was still intermediate level, but we could connect directly mm. with uh, with Italians. Um, yeah. So uh, I think that in the and uh, the not only in the beginning of our ministry, but throughout the years, made made a difference of um, of di- di- just how we created relationship, you know, and didn't and had uh, to go directly with Italians, and um, we ran a little bit uh, out of the <laughs> tried to be away of the missionary bubble <laughs> yeah. Yeah, with with both Brazilians and, and Americans and others, and I think I think that paid off. So that was uh, that was a lesson that that I think it was helpful for us. Uh, but then we know this, but when we experience it, it's different. The power of prayer, you know. Mm. Uh, we, we were praying. We wanted to start uh, um, a team. Uh, we we wanted. Uh, I mean, our desire was that maybe God would give us an Italian team uh, yeah. here, and we had been praying specifically for an Italian worship leader because mm-hmm. my husband and I, you do people do not want to hear a sing. So we prayed so much that God will give us an Italian worship leader. God gave us. Um, uh, so it was it was was great to see that answer to prayer and to form a team and do life alongside uh, people that have been our friends, you know, that we've done life together. But yeah, um, so yeah, power of prayer. These are just two that comes to my mind. Yeah. Mm. So what's uh, as the importance of prayer at the beginning that you've learned, I'm sure that as you've been going deeper in prayer have you seen a uh what have you seen god do uh through prayer uh in your ministry what is the importance of prayer yeah yeah i think one um one thing that we saw him answer powerfully as well our desire was uh mostly italians that might have been seeking god and mm-hmm. um and had had a hunger for him you know we didn't want to call with people that were not interested at all to talk about god but you'd never know who you're going to meet and we were like god would you make space and open doors for us to meet people who are actually hungry for for you that we have an opportunity to share the gospel and uh, i'll share one of the stories that answered many of the prayer of people that were hungry for him but one of the uh it was this this um student uh, her name is flavia she studied medicine mm-hmm. and uh and every semester, we we started what we call Seekers Bible Studies. Basically, a yeah. Bible study, but, but most of the people would be, you know, uh, seekers, people that were not uh, exposed to, to uh, faith in any way. And, and this was our desire. But every time we start, it's, like, it's always like this roller coaster of like, we're starting this. And we everybody in our group and church is praying like, oh, we're starting this. And we're announcing. But we don't have anyone that has signed up to it. We just do this step of faith. And like, okay, in one month, we start and everybody start praying. And we saw God being faithful every time to to when we took that step of faith to bring people uh, yeah. to to this journey of faith. And specifically that uh, for Flavia, it was powerful because that that was maybe the fifth uh, group that we had. And again, every time was a, a roller coaster. And it was two days before we started the group. 
And I was in a place and say, God, maybe this would be the one time that maybe, you know, you haven't sent anyone. And, and you know, I, mm -hmm. I was in that place. And we were going to give a very last announcement on a Sunday to say, hey, guys, we're starting this group on Tuesday. Anyone who's interested will come in. And I was like, yeah. I'll give this next announcement saying it's just we're starting, you know. Uh, when we finished uh, the service, uh, I see this girl and it was my first time seeing her. So I say, hey, what's your name? And I started to talk with her. And she, she says, it's Fabian. And she starts sharing her story. She says it was it was absolutely her first time in 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 the church, and she starts sharing her story. She says, uh, "I don't know uh, um, what is this 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 group about, or I, I don't know anything. All I know is that I think God is uh, uh, I, I I think I need I need to be part of this group." And we were like, "Wow, what what did go from just being part of this group?" She shared her story that in the last months she had been going through something very difficult with her parents just struggling mm -hmm. in the marriage and just being in a very dark place and she found a song in the internet that God really used to speak to her heart and she was holding on to that song mm -hmm. and in that journey mm -hmm. she finds a church in in on internet and as she said that that very sunday when she entered in the church the worship team was practicing that song when she entered in mm -hmm. that place yeah so she was good. started you know just started uh, she got emotional and she, 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 God used that to say, this is the place for you. And this is the journey I have for you. And it was so beautiful to see, you know, her journey and, uh, and, and not only God answering our prayer that she would come, she yeah. took part of the group, but, you know, moved powerful in her life. She, you know, got to know Jesus and uh, just seeing her journey of being baptized. And today she's one of the, the leaders of small groups in our church, but you just see that faithfulness of God. He's really like that shepherd that goes after the one, you know, that leaves the 99 to go after the one. Yeah. And we saw with Flavia, we saw with others of just God honoring that place of desire of like bring people who are hungry for you. He really does answer those prayers. Yeah. He really goes after the people that are that are hungry, that are seeking him, and he draws people to himself so that we're we're finding those people that we could we could work with. You're working in a lot of a, a evangelistic work. What is it? What is evangelism? What does it look like? Um, I think that word is scary for a lot of people because yeah. they don't really know what it what it means. A lot of people think it's just about standing on a street corner with a sign. Um, it's it's a lot more relational than that. What is yeah. what is it for you? What is evangelism, and how do you help find the people that God is drawing? Yeah, absolutely. I resonate with what you said that it's in our experience have been so relational, you know, just getting to know. I think one of the things that maybe in Europe, in other places as well, but maybe even more so the uh, trust and journey with others. Why, um, um, you know, uh, people would trust to go on the, a faith journey mm -hmm. with others is that friendship level. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, getting to that place. So, um yeah, how you had a good question of how do we even find these people? We remember arriving here in Rome, uh, you know, we had a two uh, newborn, a two month uh, baby, and then I was just <laughs> knew anyone. It's like, God, why, where do we even start of getting to know, you know, people who are hungry for you? And we looked around our community and thought, let's start with relationships, wherever. Let's try to see any current communities that are already here uh, mm. in any group, in any social yeah. activities or something. Right? try to get into those communities and in, in, in that pray that um, uh, maybe in some existing communities, there will be people that uh, will be open to hear about Jesus. 
And this was a funny story because one of, uh, as we walk around the, our neighborhood, we saw that there was a place uh, that they were doing dancing classes. Yeah. And here's the background. I, you know, I'm Brazilian. I love dancing. I think it's so much fun. My husband absolutely hates it. You know, <laughs> so I've been, for years I've been with him. Uh, you know, and say, oh, we should be so much fun to take a salsa class or something. And he was like, his exact words were over my dead body that's what he would end <laughs> like okay but then we look around and then we saw this salsa class and you know i just came to him and said you know maybe it's salsa class it could be something you know it's it's a fun community you never know etc and so on and he reflected reflected and he paused and i remember him saying the things we do for the sake of the gospel you know <laughs> <laughs> so he said yes and he was a trooper and every thursday night for two years we would go and have mm. salsa classes together you know fun yeah. and really uh, yeah and i was having fun he was mostly doing for people <laughs> but i think he ended up meeting people but just seeing that uh in, in that group as we were just making friendship with others and doing the salsa class and hanging out with them outside the classes uh, we opened God. Is there anyone here that is open? And, mm. and God was faithful in the process of years. There was a guy named Gabrielli. Many of the people were not. Many of yeah. the people actually visited our church that when we started and ended up not, not staying, etc. But Gabrielli was open, you know, and ended mm. up in a journey getting to know Jesus and being baptized as well. So we, we, were, we were just grateful for God honoring that desire of wherever we step. He's uh, He has people that he's, he's after. So yeah. these are some just some thoughts about how relational and friendship and community uh, uh, yeah. became uh, are foundational for us. To yeah. find existing communities, uh, I think it's really important. I heard it said once that that there are thousands and millions of churches around the world. They just don't know Jesus yet. So they just need to be introduced to Jesus. So there's already communities that have been formed, that people are bonded together. Uh, now they need to be introduced to Jesus. And there could be a true community and a faith community can be birthed out of something that already exists. Um, I think that's really, really a cool process to go through and just look for those places where where people are already forming community and get in and say, you know, the gospel can actually flow through them. Um, mm -hmm. As I was praying this morning, God told me to ask you about babies. And I think it's actually mm -hmm. about two different topics. One is your your own babies as you've uh, walked through. And then two is as you've walked with baby believers, what does that look like? Um, and so what does it look like to actually, you know, let's go with uh, your own personal life and your personal family. Um, mm -hmm. What is it like having babies uh, on the mission fields um, okay. and and raising them in a way where, it, you know, you're pointing them to Jesus and showing them what's, you know, what true faith community looks like um, as a, a third culture kid? Yeah, yeah. I think at that time, we were just so excited and we waited our whole lives to go they were like yes let's you know after all of the education was like let's go and we have a two month but it would be great you know we were naive as well <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe now that we 11 years uh, now we can see some things a little bit of on distance but that said it looked like any parents you know it's messy with newborns yeah. and juggling all these things so not a, a perfect uh, way in any sense um, so in uh, the, the first years are exhausting as any parents would know, you know, with the whole yep. sleeping, etc. and so on. But I think uh, in it, uh, something I always tell my boys that we are 
our, our last name is Bruel, so we call ourselves our Team Bruel. You know, yeah. <laughs> we mm-hmm. are Team Bruel, and, and we all all of four of us are. Uh, you know, we are a team, and whatever God does to any of us is the team thing. Yeah. So even yesterday, uh, we had uh, a day a special service for our church in the lake, and people were sharing testimonies mm. that came to faith, etc. So when we were coming back in the car, I was telling a boys, "Weren't you guys excited? No, you know, like they uh, team a guy used some of the things for Team Brew, in in specifically a group that uh, it's on ends on Wednesday. It's called the, the same Seekers Bible Study. Yeah, the boys they, for that Wednesday they have to go to bed earlier. Uh, we don't have dinner together. They have uh, you know we bring food in their place so we can be the thing. So um so, so they're saying oh and he were like are we really Team Brew? And so I was like yeah you guys have you know sacrifice and being there for us this celebration is all four of us together in mm, family yeah and i think i think for us that that um uh like they they know deep within why we came here why we're here as a family and mm-hmm. anything that god does that we can you know rejoice together and praise god together they are part of it just as we are you know or, yeah. or times like Renee has to travel or i have to travel or, and we you know kind of help each other out and things they are sacrificing as well so the this idea that the family is on mission together, you know, and they yep. they they have ownership of of our church and ministries that God entrusts to us. So I think that 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 was something that we tried in perfect ways, but I think they 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 got it as much as they could do of being part of it together, you know. Mm-hmm. And for uh, new believers, yes, this is something. Uh, yes, uh, obviously, with the body, everybody has their part for to play in the body, you know, yep. in the part that. I, the, one of the things that I love the most is, is walking for that part of the journey of people that are seeking God into into they came to a place of a uh, invitation to respond if they want mm-hmm. to follow Jesus. You know that part is that the 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 part that I love the most. So uh, it's been it's been great also to like uh, really function as a body and have people's gifts of also with that because once they have come to a decision. It is that delicate, as, as like the newborns require, you know, more yep. attention and, and things. It's the same thing with new believers, you know, that uh, are uh, just fresh in this and excited, but also with trying out new things. So uh, it's been a balance of learning how to walk in the first steps, but also counting on people in the body that will walk with them in discipleship and maturing, et cetera, mm-hmm. and so on. So so it's been it's been good to, um, to work with others in the team that... God has raised here in Rome that uh, we have people that are great are inviting and doing yep. these free things. You know, maybe that's that's the part that I feel like a privilege and a joy for me to walk in that. And also have others that are maturing with them, but mm-hmm. to function as a body and into, um, yeah, having the walking alongside them throughout. Yeah. So what's the the balance of uh, of releasing baby believers into playing their part within the body? at the beginning like right away and walking with them on a journey towards maturity uh together mm-hmm. what's that balance great that question. you play great question i think um you know i don't know originally where it comes from but it, it made a lot of sense in my com- uh, our community the concept of belonging before of believing mm-hmm. you know uh, mm-hmm. for us that made so much sense to us instead of like you have to, you know, have these decisions and behave in a certain way before you're part of the community. Everybody that comes in, in the church or the community, uh, uh, they are first belonging to that that specific community. Mm. And we learn through the years, what does that mean? Uh, because uh, we uh, there are things that people can serve in the church, even serving the church, 
without even necessarily uh, having the step of like uh, know for sure if they are believers, you know, right. they can uh, yeah. uh, uh, help, uh, I don't know, a PowerPoint or edit something or like small things, but it makes it feel that everybody's building something together, you know, yeah. and it gives it that, that, that sense of uh, ownership and, and, and dignity that this is a body that they, they are part through. Mm. Uh, obviously in positions of, you know, leadership in the church or in the community, there are different also maturity levels for different positions for people that are small group leaders and preaching and others, obviously people that need to have right. uh, a mature walk with God. Uh, so um, we can't just, you know, uh, uh, we walk with them and through the different things, but, but I think in general, at least uh, the experience that we had here, churches were too slow <laughs> to, yeah. to actually invite people to be to belong. Uh, mm. Then, then the mistake of giving too much too soon, you know. And we yeah. did the mistake of giving much too soon. And we learned along the way, but at least it was worth to like uh, see how they are part of it, and, and because they sense the community, they sense Jesus in the community before they can fully formulate what it is. Mm. And when they're saying yes to the gospel, they they see that this is not only a message, they have embodied a message through the community. So, mm. um, yeah, that's one of the, some of the things we've been learning. So how do you foster this sense of belonging from the mm -hmm. beginning and pre-believers and seekers? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think, uh, I mean, through the pandemic was, uh, was a bit harder, of course, because yeah. there were less things. But through uh, some of the things, to have mixture of, uh, either events or community things that they could be a part of it. So like, yeah, through picnic or organizing a, an evening about something, there always needs, you know, like Italians, they're, I mean, food is such a big part of the culture, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that <laughs> it could be as small as like, hey, we're putting this together. Can you help us out, you know, bringing something to eat or help us out organizing something? It makes such a difference mm -hmm. <laughs> if the person is not, it's just the receiving end. It feels a little bit of like an outsider, you know, yeah. when, when you just, yeah. But there, there are always things that they, they can be involved in and be part of the community. So, um, yeah, and uh, uh, I think another thing is during the church service, we try to have voice, different voices through it, you know, like someone giving a welcome, someone doing an announcement, someone doing the offering, etc. It just makes that it's not one or two people doing the whole thing, but they right. see the baton being passed to others and it is a community experiencing together. And that's more felt that, yeah. that, that they are welcome or not, you know, then. Yeah, yeah that's good. And, you know, the, the food is really important in Italy. Uh, what have you learned uh, about the importance of sharing meals together? Um, I think in the West, uh, especially in America, some people, a lot of people view a meal as as fuel and just yeah. getting by. Like, I'm just going to very quickly get some food in me. Um, what's yeah. the importance of, of sharing uh a meal over the the long term and not just quickly getting something to eat and moving on mm -hmm. yeah good good question i think we learned this as well because brazilians they may be something between us and america in italy not uh -huh. as full you know the, the but uh uh um, but still like when we arrived here yeah it was so uh, even like for me it was new so i'll just give a short story 
we welcomed uh, students. Um, we were having dinner and we invited some students to join us, you know? Yeah. And I said, then I did my best. You know, it's, <laughs> I'm not the greatest cook in the world. I do decent, decent. You know? yeah. <laughs> then the students came to me and say, hey, how did you cook this, this chicken? And, you know, I explained my best and say, can you, would you mind if I show you? And the, these students, guys, you know, these are the early 20s. They, they brought me to my kitchen and say, let me give you some tips. And these guys, they knew like cooking skills to a whole new level. <laughs> so, so for me, it was a good humbling, you know, and having yeah. them teach me uh, to cook. And they felt like they are teaching me something. This is how yep. you do it in Italy. This is how, the, how much oil you put. That's why, you know, like they were giving this stuff and I was just soaking in. But for me, it was the importance of like, uh, yeah, uh, uh, of having not only the meal together, but uh um, having that moment of learning from each other yeah. and um, it is incredibly relational. So most of ministries here, um, um, you get in, in, in meals, deeper conversations, a more um, transforming lives is around the table, <laughs> less than in meetings, you know? Yeah. So it's something that we've been learning, learning a lot from this culture and we, we started to love it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's, yeah, that's good. I think it's the importance of not just, you know, of spending a, a long meal together, but I, I think you mentioned the importance of, of being dependent on the people that you're serving. It's a mutual relationship that it's yeah. not just you coming in and saying, here, this is how you should live and change your life, but you're actually dependent on the local people. I think that's so, so good and vital. Um, you're also, you know, You've been involved in in worldwide missions, church movements, uh, areas. What do you think? You know, especially among among young people now, where do you think the the missions movement in in the world is headed? Um, what gives you hope? Yeah, I think I'm excited to see more and more missions be global. You know, mm -hmm. uh, and to have uh, teams. Uh, uh, even here in, in in Europe, which is traditionally, you know, through the centuries have been a mission sending field, you know, right. like uh, like in Brazil, we have received so many, but to have people uh, from Latin America serving here uh, mm -hmm. in Europe, to having the Korean church praying so much for, for the European church yep. and, and having, uh, so that, um, that seems that the relationship between the global South uh, in, in, in the Western world, I think, uh, I think we have done a lot of progress in the last uh, years as as a as a global church. Yep. Still, a lot of ways to go. You know, one of the, um, I think a, a phrase that stuck with me was a, a, an African leader, uh, Femi, highly respected in, in the Lozano, when he said, "You you've invited us as the global church to give a seat on the table, uh, mm -hmm. which we are grateful for." And his long as an African leader is to be invited to the kitchen, which is mm. like, you know, you, you're yeah. at the table and you're like there, but we want to do, we, we want to be also in the inner circles where decisions are being made and these yep. things. And, and so I think that's, that's, that's a challenge that the church is growing to, to have the, the uh, church from the majority world also involved in uh, positions of leadership in mission organizations and um, et cetera. And, and is that mutual yeah. partnership, you know, yep. um, yeah, what gives me good. hope? Yeah. Yeah. I think what, what gives me hope, uh, I personally have been praying for four years for revival, you know, in the student generation, I know people yeah. that have been praying for way more and people that, but I, um, uh, call me naive, but I do believe God is not done with Europe. Yes. You know, yeah. I do believe that the giants that we have here in this continent are not bigger than our God. 
and I'm believing, you know, for, for God to breathe afresh in, in mm. this continent. And, and, and the thing about revival, even looking to the histories, is that revivals that happen, like, for example, the revival in Wales in 1904, it touched South Korea on the other side of the world. And we're talking about 100 and mm. almost 120 years after, uh, yeah. uh, before our time. And it, some, where revival will break and anywhere, the fire of revival will, will touch the other side of the world in a generation mm. that didn't have internet, didn't have flights or yeah, social media. And so on. If, if revival will break out anywhere in the world, I think... Uh, it would be it was something that it, uh, that it would go global you know so yep. i'm praying that revival will break out anywhere and it, that this uh this generation uh would experience a, a mighty uh powerful visitation again when we see in the book of judges and in others the, the biblical story is always a, it's not a line that goes up and up and up right. but it's this curve that, that goes up and then when it goes down god raises people that cry after him in mm-hmm. in, in repentance and humility he breathes again he's merciful to breathe again so it's yeah. one of the reasons I'm hopeful about the European church, uh, that um, I pray that it will be a, a spirit of repentance that will be over mm. the church and that we cry out to God and he will give a, a fresh uh, wave in it. As you're, you've looked at revival, you're yearning for revival, what are some of the elements that you've seen and found uh, in research that, that provides a, a place uh, for revival? Or are we just hoping that the holy spirit will will come like what yes. do we have a role in it oh great question yeah um i've learned a lot of the history also um, um get some of the things that tim keller that he got from martin Lord jones so i'm just feeling that people that stole from others <laughs> but i think it was a very helpful yeah. illustration so martin Lord jones got this and tim keller uh, often says when he's talking about revival he compares it to uh, elijah in mount carmel you know, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, uh, God was the only one that could send the fire to yeah. that altar that he put it. Uh, it's not something any human can manufacture and, and, and send a fire. God is the only one that can send the fire. But that doesn't mean Elijah didn't have a role setting up that altar, yeah. and putting the wood and putting things and asking God to, uh, to do it. So similarly to revival, uh, God is the only one in his sovereignty that, that can, can send a revival. Nothing can, you know, in any way manufacture a plan. Uh, revival but i do believe that we have a role of having a fertile soil for him to move you know mm. and create in mm-hmm. this altar and looking through the history of revivals uh prayer has obviously been throughout the history of revivals you you don't see revival not coming with extraordinary prayer you yeah. know people in a place of deep dependence uh prayer uh repentance uh, 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 uh it's uh, it's in a place of crying out to god like we need you these are the things that uh, you know we mess mm. up in, in, in yep. longing for you uh, uh unity you see in history of revivals very often um uh, either different churches or denominations or groups come together in unity crying mm. out together so it's not a formula obviously there's no formula for it uh, again tim keller uses the image of like narnia you know you can't get into narnia in the same way yeah. after um, they have gone to Narnia to the wardrobe uh he says you you they they they, they go they don't get to narnia again through the wardrobe, they get to learn in different ways. So yep. similarly to revival, you can't just, you know, repeat the whole we've done in the history and expect, you know, mm. uh, it's, you don't get it in the same way. God is, is sovereign, is creative, it's in different ways. But there are some elements that you see that is pleasing for God, for him to breathe afresh. And I do think that uh, prayer, repentance, unity, uh, zeal, 
um, desire for uh, bold, uh, boldness and sharing the gospel are, are some of the things that God has used in the past that I think there are elements that we can do our best to steward uh, a fertile soil for God to move. Yeah, I think that's it's such a good point too to know that you know it's not a formula that we put together and say this is going to happen, but there are there are different elements that we need to to take into account and to implement within our lives. And so there are the principles that we must carry. Um, and I think that's the same in, you know, in revivals, the same in missions. If you want to see any sort of, of extraordinary movement to Jesus happen around the world, uh, there's these principles that really carry you through and it's not just a step-by-step formula it's messy it looks different everywhere you go uh, but uh, really the core elements are are the same but from the outside it looks different I think that's really important for us to get and to understand Um, I think that's really good do you see anything any any places in Europe uh, that give you give you hope for Europe where you see see some unity uh, extraordinary prayer. You see some of these elements that are happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great question. I think in the last years, probably even people that have been here for decades say that in terms of unity in different movements, you know, uh, mm-hmm. being in conservative and charismatic, um, it has been used the world unprecedented uh, unity. I do. I would agree with that. You know, yeah. of people more desire of coming together to actually collaborate together and, and um, build trust and, and do this. So uh, I have been seeing, I think, um, yeah, in the charismatic world, uh, there was some uh, movements uh, awakening Europe. It's something that uh, in the mm-hmm. last years they've been putting together uh, uh, even stadiums of people coming to, uh, uh, to, to worship and pray for revival and, and conversions coming out of that. And Europe shall be saved. These are uh, in, in the scent that they yeah. had in, in the US as well. These are some of the most, and brazil uh, in brazil but the next one they're having in norway uh in next year as well okay so, uh, this, this is uh the more in the charismatic world but even in the um uh, uh organizations that historically uh have have not collaborated together in in our uh in our uh, for me has been a privilege to serve with revive europe that's the main ministry my husband leads the church that uh he pastors the church that we yeah. do here in in rome and I serve specifically directing, uh, it's called Revive Europe, that we're seeking revival uh, uh, across the continent. And um, it was a grace of God that have 30 organizations, mission organizations coming together in this. So it's not wow. uh, the student ministry. Um, um, but in the U.S., they are known like InterVarsity, Crew, Navigator, Sky Alpha, all of this. For Europe, it's new that we yeah. are working together and that we are collaborating and praying for revival together. So to see this and the Lausanne movement 24-7 prayer, I think in the last years have been a, a deeper longing uh, to, to do in, in a realization that alone, uh, the challenge in Europe is too big. <laughs> we have to come together yeah. and do it together, you know, especially revival, which is something that only God could do. No, no conference, no organization, no person or ministry, nor denomination can can go after this to get, uh, alone. You know, right. it's something that, but I, I do see, uh, are still small flames, small seeds. Uh, but um, yeah, that verse, not despite small beginnings, you know, the right. small seeds that are there, people going after Jesus, uh, we never know what a fresh wind can, can bring out of those places. Yeah, yeah, you could definitely see a little little ember can bring a big old fire. 
Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, be pray, praying for that to happen across Europe. Mm-hmm. I want to see that. I mean, you know, for me, I also see that, you know, as you're looking at revivals that impact halfway around the world, the other side of the world, I mean, with all the immigrants uh, that yeah. have flooded into Europe um, in the pa- in the past years, they you know if revival breaks out in Europe, I, they're already coming to Jesus. But I think that they're going to be able to bring that back into you know into their own countries, and you know even through some of our work uh, with all nations in Europe, we're actually, we're seeing things go back into Central Asia. Uh, mm-hmm. And the Middle East and people doing things over over WhatsApp and Zoom that their family members are coming to to Jesus. There's baptisms wow. that are happening uh, through wow. through the computer screen. Um, so mm-hmm. it's pretty amazing that it's you know it's already going back. But I think if revival really breaks out, it could really spark the world uh, because mm-hmm. we're such a connected global family at the moment. Uh, there could be really something big happen throughout the world. And that's... Amen. Yes, absolutely. And the, the waves of immigrants also coming that are being used by Jesus to the European church as well. Yeah. You know, that means reality as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've seen I've seen a, some of that start to revive the European church. Right? And yeah. they start to see new people coming to Jesus. There seems to be some sort of a momentum that they're like, oh there's something to this Jesus. Let's try to figure this out. What Come back together. I think a lot of times, I think we're starting to see this, right? You know, the U.S. is usually uh, behind Europe a little bit, but we're starting, we're definitely in this post-Christendom world where our old methods of, you know, putting up a sign on the street corner and getting a building will bring people into the doors of a church. It's going to take something totally different than before um and we're seeing the the big shaking of like what is what are people's foundation in a post-christendom world because they were actually their foundation was uh was religious structure more than it was on the anchor of jesus himself and that he could anchor us in the middle of a storm it's like, oh, we have these structures, religious structures here. I'm anchored to that. Um, and so as you've been living in a place where uh, really the religious structures haven't been people's anchor in Europe, um, and then the people with authentic faith and true faith, they have been anchored to Jesus. How do we, how do we grab a hold of that anchor in the middle of a... Yeah, of yeah, a culture that's not dependent on religious structures anymore. Yeah, so good, so good. I think it, it connects to the previous questions that you have. Any you know concerns or place of global missions? Yeah. I think for the Western Church in general, which I mean, you know, the European Church, the North American Church, maybe Australians and New Zealand Bordenses, but the, the Western Church in general. Um, because it tends to be a church that it's so good with methodology and so effective and you know with leadership and things it's harder to be in that place of dependence and not depending on just the plan and the methods yeah. but being depending on jesus and i think uh, that's something that it uh it would be 
it would be amazing to see how God uh, will break out the schemes that, you know, um, um, sometimes uh, he brings uh, revival on the outskirts, you know, it mm. could be the, the migrants or the others and see God just does yep. his thing, you know, he surprises, he used yeah. the, the wild things. Uh, so I think, um, yeah, again, this, this place of, of not relying uh, on, on our methods and plans and there's space for that of course it's not that mm-hmm. we're not, we have to be good sewers but it's not as you say it's not the anchor it's the anchor of that walking with jesus listening to the people is obeying there, there's no shortcut of yeah. that relationship with the holy spirit and in, in depending on jesus every step of the way yeah yeah it's so important to be be anchored and have a true anchored faith traveling the world sometimes not in covid your husband is traveling you both have uh, are pretty successful in in different ministries. How have you found both a husband and wife be successful in their own right? Um, how have you found working together um, and the mutuality that you have for one another, respect that you have for one another? How has that been? And what's that interplay like between husband and wife so, in ministry? Such a good question. Yeah. I think one of the things that I heard when we were, before we got married uh, in those marriage counseling courses, but it stayed with me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that um, that uh, some couples, one plus one doesn't equal, it equals less than two. You know, mm. the two put together, they are less, uh, uh, they're, mm-hmm. uh, they're weaker than, than each individually. Mm. And some couples, one plus one equals more than two. Uh, yeah. it's, it's more than just those in, two individuals uh, doing that. And I think that stay with us because um, as uh, you know, the first years of here in Italy for us, it was a bit easier to, to nurture that place because we were both in very similar callings here. He was being calling the church and I had with the ministry, they, both of the ministries were feeding um, a lot of each other and had a lot of uh, synergy to it. So yeah. we felt even more so as, you know, team partners in ministry as well. It is something that uh, as, as uh, it progressed uh, more, that we're still, um, you know, ministry partners, obviously together, but with um, with recent callings of me being more involved uh, with Revive in the church, I think it's a journey that we have been together of like being um, uh, for each other and uh, not giving any space for the slightest kind of either competition uh, between yeah. the two of us, mm-hmm. but just encouraging, uh, which I think it's been something that God has, has protected in us, obviously, mm-hmm. which challenges and, and things but um when renee's striving i i i just get really happy <laughs> you know when i see <laughs> yeah. him you know doing the, and i feel that i feel very much him for me you know he's uh, i couldn't be more grateful for a husband that when um is not i don't know intimidated if if uh, for any gifting or things but he's for me and i think that that created a foundation with us uh it is something that we we try to steward our very best you know to be to have healthy like sabbatical uh, a sabbath as a family yeah. and rest because it does get get intense with both the local and and some uh, regional ministry but in that journey we're just relieved that, that god has been protecting and making us <laughs> as a team because we feel that the two of us uh are stronger when we are together it's it's more than than one plus one uh we are stronger when we, we stand together yeah yeah that's really good i think one of the you just mentioned some one rhythm of Sabbath and of rest and the importance of those spiritual disciplines and rhythms in our lives. Uh, what's been the importance of mentorship for you in your life? Um, 
Yes. Uh, both receiving mentorship and giving mentorship. Yes. It's so interesting that you asked that because your wife has played a crucial role. <laughs> <laughs> your wife, just for the background, we're part of a group that, oh my goodness, it will be 13, uh, 13 14 years maybe that we started this. Wow. Ago. Yeah. So, yeah. But we do meet uh, every year. Obviously, in COVID, we, we met online, but we do meet every year in person, you know, instead mm -hmm. uh, four or five days together. And it's a peer mentoring group out of Leighton Fort Ministries. But for me, it be became uh, for us. So it's, it's just women, yeah, you know, involved in leadership in different ways. But the, the thing that is uh, so precious about it, it's a safe place that people that can know the very best and the very worst of me, you know, mm, I can yeah. be completely vulnerable and they know they know what to call me out and they know what to, you know, encourage me, et cetera, and have that people that truly know you yep. and can speak into your life. And, and, and they uh, have authority to speak in my life and invite others to speak in each other's life that iron shapes iron. It's something that for sustainability, at times that group was a lifesaver, you know, yeah. uh, even last week when I went to something hard, even before my family, I send an audio to that group and say, mm. girls, I need, you know, and we sit by each other. So it's like yeah. that family journey together, but mentoring, peer mentoring and, and having, I think yeah, in terms of longevity, accountability or something, it, it has just, there's no way we can do this alone, right? We have yep. to just be with each other and walk alongside each other. Yeah. 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 It's so important. I know that, uh, my wife, Meredith has gotten a lot out of that as well. Um, you know, and through that, we've we have started a couples group as well, mentoring peer mentoring group, and uh, it's really a lifeline for us that we get to walk with people uh, and journey with them long term. And it's not just yeah. a you know a short term thing or hey we're going to go off for a week and meet some new people, but it's people that journey with you for for the long term. Uh, it's really important. Yeah. It's really good, um, and you go really deep with people. Um, now I have just two questions at the end yeah. that I like to, to ask. One is, uh, if you could give advice to your 21 year old self, what would you go back and tell yourself when you're 21? Mm -hmm. hmm. Oh, what a good question. I would say it's going to be even harder than you think, but hanging to Jesus <laughs> into every step and it's all going to be okay. You know? <laughs> 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 that's good that's good we often look when i mean when we're young and we want to go into ministry or do missions or do something you we often look at the highlights in into the future right that propels us to go because we see what's possible um and we often don't realize how difficult it really is gonna be but it is worth it um and yes. god uses all the difficult things in our life to to grow us and grow the people around us um, yes. Good. And anything that you've been reading or watching that you could recommend? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm about to start. I haven't read it yet, but I'm about to start prayer circles. I've been just mm -hmm. exploring different books about prayer. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I, I'm just interested at what uh, the recommendation of God to actually pray your God given dreams in, yeah. in we both to pray these things. So that's, that's my, kind of summer exciting book ahead of me that I'm excited to, to, to jump into it. Yeah. All right. Prayer circles. That's good. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, Sarah, it was great to talk to you today. Um, so thank you very much. So good to talk with you, Joshua. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Bye. <laughs>
Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you want to see more episodes like this, go to patreon.com slash shifting culture and become a monthly patron of the show. You can help us produce more episodes so that we can see the body of Christ look more like Jesus. If you become a patron on patreon.com slash shifting culture, uh, you will get early access to episodes. You will get episode guides. You will get bonus shows, hopefully, and more. So go to patreon.com slash shifting culture and become a monthly patron. Also leave a rating and review on Apple podcasts. Uh, It really helps us out and helps us find new listeners to the show and just go and share this podcast with your friends, your family, your network, people that you think would enjoy it as well. Thank you again for listening to the show. I hope you have a great week.